grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and Jonna here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is chapter 13 of the Triggers Book Club series. And don't stress out if you're like, wait a second, I just was on chapter 9. Well, like we've said every episode, we've been trying to figure out how to not do 30 straight weeks so that we can fit in some other books. And so we're going to skip around a couple of chapters now. This will be our last one of the external triggers. Then we're going to switch over to internal triggers and um my thought just fled like just flew right it's on quite open. all right you're a mother of four and it's early in the morning so check it out guys this is a great topic because this is something that is highly relevant to pretty much all of us and not, i mean unless you live in the woods and you're very you're probably not listening to this if you're not <laughs> if you don't have access to technology you may not be listening to this <laughs> i think you may not be like it's pretty overstimulated <laughs> right so the trigger that we're talking about today which is an internal trigger is wait external trigger i'm sorry is overstimulation so Bare bones definition here. Um, first off, overstimulation. Okay. This literally is. What does it say? <laughs> it says, well, John, I pulled up the, the definition says, for me. I was, uh, I, uh, I was going to give you, yeah, I was, I was going to give you my smart definition. It's, it's just the definition is actually pretty lame. It says stimulate physiologically or mentally to an excessive mm. degree. So it says like overstimulation happens when children are swamped by more experiences, sensations, noise, and activity than they can cope with. So stop, so stop right there. Okay. Okay. I think what's important to realize is we take these words and we're like, ah, oh, yeah, it's just a buzzword, overstimulation, but we don't really realize what's happening in the body. So kids, adults, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you are overstimulated and your body cannot cope, then it creates a stress response. I'm not going to get super nerdy here, but what we have to understand is we are overly stressed. We are overly stressed in today's society and just the way we live in general. And this can happen to our kids as well. So, so what does too much stress do? Too much stress actually creates inflammation in the body. And inflammation is where our disease and our, and, and our sicknesses and our cancers and all of those things come from. Um, and why our body reacts the way it reacts and why, why so many, so many, um, just kind of odd things happen within the body because the body is trying to adapt to the stress being placed on it. And with all the constant overload of shows and games and screens and music and people and scenes, everything, our bodies are constantly, our children and ours, our minds are constantly trying to keep up. I know for me, because remember, we're talking about triggers and how it triggers anger in us. For me, this is definitely one that makes me feel overloaded because we do have four children and my husband likes to play loud music and try to Love hold a conversation music, with me yes, while other people are trying to have a conversation with me or they're fighting or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, trying to do a million things at once. And I am super easily agitated in she that is. moment. I will, I will attest to that. <laughs> I am. I can't, I can't help it. There's actually, I wish I could remember, there's some sort of diagnosis for that um i saw a video on tiktok of a mom talking about like are you easily agitated by xyz i'm like yeah uh-huh 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 like then you might be <laughs> suffering from x 
Everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. So, so what we want to focus on in this episode, guys, is first off, we're going to break down some practical things that we've learned from an overstimulation perspective. You got a guy who's been in the fitness industry for a long time. Dang it. You've, you've got a guy who's been in the fitness industry for a long time. I've done a lot of online coaching with people on overstimulation and stress and how to lower stress and all, all that good stuff. Um, and then I think it's important to, to figure out how we can solve this problem spiritually because at, at the end of the day, we can't show up best for our kids unless we're able to uh, not overload ourselves and, you know, quiet our own hearts. So, so read what Amber says here, babe. I love this. Uh, she says, a mom must guard her own quiet heart before she can tend to the overstimulated hearts of her children. What I love about that is, again, we have to realize it starts with us. We are creating the environment for our children. They don't get to just go buy themselves a tablet or buy themselves a big screen and right. download Netflix and all of that colorful toys like we are creating the environment for them yes definitely so a couple of really quick tips from us would be this that that we've learned from you know different interviews what we got first i want to talk about she i think she makes such a good point here Mm. when she talks about how um our kids are being overloaded so Screen time super controversial in the parenting world, which is just annoying, actually, because at the end of the day, we're all just trying to do what's best for our children. We're all just trying to get something done. Or we're all just trying to get something. <laughs> well, it's just funny because I've seen you see the argument of somebody's like, well, I don't give my children any screen time. And then everybody gets mad at them because really we're insecure about the fact that we need screens to entertain our kids sometimes. That I mean, yeah. it's just what it is. Well, Why else would you get angry? And there's a balance because truthfully, like what's best for us and what's the most natural for us is no screens and no cell phones and all those things. But we live in the day and age we live. And so we really can't uproot our lives a whole lot. Otherwise, there's a lot of missed opportunity for our kids not understanding technology. So right. so there's definitely there's a, balance. a balance to find. But it's just funny, though, because people are so quick to get actually angry with each other because of the decisions they're making when we're all just trying to do what's best. So because it is easy, it's easy for me to fall into, okay, I'm going to turn this on for them and I'm going to get something done. And in my mind, I'm like one show and I'm like, well, shoot, they're being awfully quiet. How about two shows? You know, so it's, there's a, there's a constant tension there of, okay, is it best to leave them in front of the TV or is it so I can get something done? Or is it best to make sure they're using their brains to be creative? I argue that there's a balance, but The point that Amber is making is that kids shows, especially because our attention span is so short, are constantly colorful and moving and jumping from scene to scene with quick edits and and it overwhelms their brain. And especially if you have siblings who you're also, you know, Lena's fighting with them the entire time they try to watch something. So they go from that where they're all shaken up and excited and overwhelmed to us expecting them to sit still at the dinner table, be mm. quiet in a restaurant, um, sit in the back of the car and not need to do anything. Do school, like focus on school. Focus on schoolwork, especially when it's not on a screen and right. it's a physical, you know, old school. Well, but and I think right now with a lot of the virtual learning and stuff, we have our kids in front of these like amazing, you know, graphics and like fast cuts and all these things that are just really feeding their brain dopamine. And then we sit them in front of a teacher on a screen with a, a bunch of other blo- has no edits blocks and- of kids with nothing exciting. 
And like, there's so many distractions for them. And we wonder why they can't perform. It's like, bro, it's literally like nothing close to what they're experiencing. Yes. So I think that's a good perspective for all of us. I know when I read that, and I've read stuff like that before, but it's a good reminder that if your child or children are acting out, maybe you feel like they're being disrespectful or ignoring you or something. Maybe they are, but maybe they're just super freaking overstimulated. Because again, I know for me, if I'm trying to work or even if I'm just scrolling some of the nonsense on Instagram to get, because what I th- feel like it's a brain break, it's really not because it makes me so much more short-tempered with them because I think I'm trying to get something done and then I hear all the stuff in the background and then they're asking me stuff and I snap on them and that's that's not fair. But my point is, if that's happening to me as an adult who can recognize that that's what's happening and I can recognize, hey, I need to remove Instagram from my phone for a little while or I need yeah. to to turn the TV off during the day. We have to make those decisions for our kids. They can't do that themselves. Yeah. So real quick, from a practical perspective, I think I want to break down three things that we've done that seem like they've worked pretty well. Okay. So number one would be this. I think creating any dead space. What? Freaking disco lights just randomly. Oh, jeez. Wait, you have to actually flip that switch to turn that on. That is kind of creepy. Okay. Talk about overstimulation. Yeah. Okay. Overstimulation. Yeah. A little, a little disco ball just turned on in our living room. Not that, that we you, have a disco ball. No, it's but. like a little karaoke thing, but you literally have to, to move the switch to turn it on. Well, here's the wishing this was video right now, but it's not. So I think it's important for us to create as much dead space as possible in our kids' lives when we can. So something we've done that like we kind of accidentally did and then realized, like, ooh, let's stick with this, is we've never given our kids a screen in the car. So ever, ever, ever given our kids a screen in the car. And the reason we haven't done that is because we, we want them to actually realize it's okay to be bored. I know when I was when I was doing a lot of research on on overstimulation and stress with a lot of my online clients uh, back, you know, just six, eight months ago, uh, I remember kind of diving into a kid's brain and realizing that depression and anxiety and all those things are through the roof for kids right now because they don't know how to be bored. So we remember as kids all the time, like walking around the house and be like, mom, I'm bored, right? I totally remember that. I remember just like laying on the couch, like not really knowing what to do because you could watch a movie, but I mean, come on, it it wasn't really hitting your brain like they do today. And so I remember being bored a lot, but I remember that was a really good thing because I was outside a lot and my creativity was through the roof and all that stuff. And that's not happening to kids as much today. And so what happens is when their brain can't reach another level of a dopamine hit, they get depressed because it's almost like it's numbing them. And so there's a lot of depression and anxiety because our kids can't meet that level of stimulation. So I say all that to say, in the car, no screens, they look out the window, they are, they are, they're just thinking, they're letting their brains wander. Yeah. Or they nap or they just kind of hang out. I'm also two of our four so far get car sick. Yes. So that's another reason that we don't give them anything. Like they don't even color or read or anything nope, on, on rides. They, they don't. just chill. Now, a long trip, you know, if we're going on on a trip maybe to like maybe like, you know, two hours or more or something like that, and there's a way to maybe put a movie on in the in the uh Oh yeah, we I in the car we have that thing. or something. Yeah, like okay, that's fine, that's special, but 
we never want to set the standard that a 20 minute trip is a portion of a movie. Yeah. Well, and you know, because of the day and age we live in, I can hear parents being like, oh, good for you. <laughs> like, but again, just can you just. This is just a line that we choose to draw. This is a line that we choose to draw. And, and I do believe it is very helpful. And also, again, we have four kids. I'm not buying four tablets and making Heck sure no. I charge and pack four <laughs> tablets every time I go somewhere. Like, there's a practical part that is of practical. it as well. Yes. Um, okay. So, another. Another kind of practical tip that we implemented kind of recently, I, I wish I remembered which episode it was, a little while ago we did a an interview with a professional organizer, Rethink Clutter, mm-hmm. and we talked about how, you know, it's really easy for us to expect our kids to just clean up their rooms when they're messed, like, hey, you need to clean this up, but that it's super duper overwhelming to them when they have toys everywhere, so... Chris and I actually, for a while, actually, before, probably the whole month of December, we took all of their toys, except for like maybe a handful of things, and we locked them away to see what they would do. Actually, did we take all of them? We took every toy we could find. Yes. <laughs> Aside from maybe some stuffed animals, and we locked them away pretty much for the whole month of December to see how they would react and... It was really good, actually. They did a, well. They made a lot of messes with it, crafts. It took but. them three days to ask for their toys, guys. They were they were making tape earrings or playing with paper airplanes. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were shredding paper. They, they were still finding ways to make messes. Yes. Um, and they were and they were taking t- taking all the coats out of the closet. And the, so they're still making messes. But the fact of the matter was, they didn't have like a hundred things to focus on because you don't really need like you don't need like all of these variations of toys because once that big pile's there, it's it's so overwhelming to them. They can't comprehend how to fix the problem. Well, yeah, it got to the point where we felt like they weren't even playing with their toys because they couldn't make sense of what was what and what went together. And I know I'm the same way. Whenever I have a lot of stuff around me, I just don't know where to start. I get paralyzed by the mess or the to-do list when it's too overwhelming. So, uh, we didn't leave their toys locked up forever. We're not mean parents. We ended up donating a bunch of stuff, or actually, I think it's still in the back of the car, um, because it, for some reason it's really impossible to actually take the donation boxes, the donation right? places. So hard. Gosh, it's so it's like the <laughs> worst part. That's why you gotta set up those ones where they come and pick them up. But I digress. So what we do now is we decided so the girls are split into two rooms, and we kept out. They're stuffed animals because they like to snuggle those and those are easy to just toss in a basket. And like in one girl's room, we've got their little people. By the way, if you're a newer parent and you are thinking about just what toys to buy your kids, little people are seriously (laughs) the best. They don't, their clothes don't come off. They have no accessories except for little chunky things that are really easy to pick up. They're not choking hazards. There's no extra like little stuff. I mean, I'm serious. They are the best way. Barbies, don't get Barbies till they're like way older. But another room, Lola's room is where the Barbie house is and where we allow the Barbie stuff to be at. Otherwise, all the rest of the stuff they have to ask for or go and get and trade out bins of stuff because, you know, they have a lot of good toys that we don't want to just get rid of. But having full access to every toy in the house at all times it's a disaster it's a disaster it overstimulates them and then they end up just saying they're bored yes exactly so so we have the car creating as much dead space as we can 
we have um, really figuring out how to compartmentalize like what their brain can handle as far as toys go and encouraging them to use their imagination. And then something we haven't been doing a super good job of lately, but we've had good seasons of is a very good, strong line as to like screen time. So usually closer to bedtime around like, you know, six. 45 to like 7 30 between there we're like okay we we are winding up the night and saying no more screen yeah so winding down and saying no more screens so the reason we do that i'll get a little nerdy here is because not a lot of people know this but the screens right are actual artificial light to our eyes and it actually um it actually halts our sleep pressure that, that is building up. And so if your kid is not sleeping because maybe they're looking at a tablet before they're falling asleep or, or some type of a screen and you're like, oh, I got to give them, got to give a melatonin. My kid just doesn't sleep. The, it's highly unnatural for us to have screens in front of our kid's face right before they go to bed. So we try to give them like about an hour before they go to bed, an hour to an hour and a half where they have not looked at a screen um, and they're going to fall asleep a lot easier and they stay asleep too because of just the natural um, way that our body functions to say, okay, sleep pressure is increasing to get them to fall asleep and there's no screens to halt that. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. It's true. I mean, I know whenever we watch a movie or something before bed, I lay down and I feel like my eyes are like, like going going back and yeah. forth. Like, yeah, I can't hardly get settled. I, I so. remember when I was when I when I was into video games still, which I'm still into video games, but I don't play them. So, mm-hmm. so that's the hard part. Um, but I remember when I was playing like Madden or something like that, and it wouldn't matter. I'd wake up at three forty-five to go to the gym and go out through my throughout my dad get home at 7 30 or 8 i'd start playing madden at like 9 and i could play on a friday till like 2 or 3 in the morning and i'm like why am i able to stay awake this is crazy because i was in front of the screen highly highly stimulated so video games um and screens and all that stuff like keep the sleep pressure from building in our bodies and that is super super unnatural so those are our three tips dead space with the car overstimulation with the toys and managing that as best you can uh, and then setting some type of a line for screen time especially close to bed now let's wrap it up with uh with some of amber's tips so she asked the question says how do we keep ourselves resting in quiet spaces when they are there aren't any and i bet that's a question that's going through your minds right now because in the year of technology and and during all of the shutdown type stuff got to find ways to entertain ourselves and our kids and a lot of us um we didn't actually because we're used to being home but a lot of people experience for the first time being home 24 7 again with their children and trying to figure out how to entertain them and that's hard and i have sympathy for all (laughs) all with it but all parties (laughs) all parties but we have to carve out time and protect it for ourselves so that we can show up as the parents that we are called to be. So Amber gives three ways. She says, sound, keep the music and the TVs turned off most of the day because the constant background noise, um, it crosses our signals and it keeps us agitated. And I've, I go back and forth. I read this chapter a couple of times. And I'm like, I do that. And then I forget because, again, my husband likes a lot of music. For some reason, I think that that's going to encourage the kids to clean or something and usually just agitates me so try to create space maybe you're like 
I really like to have background noise. It's too quiet in my house or something. Um, which actually, if you're a parent, you probably aren't saying that it's too quiet in your house. Try to maybe just create blocks in the day or rooms in your house that are like quiet rooms. Start, start there because I think it, I don't know. I think it's really important. Our kids have to, they, they have to be able to see and feel the difference from stimulated to not stimulated. Like there has to be dead space. There has to be. Otherwise we are setting them up for being like incredibly overstimulated, high stress levels, not able to cope with things, high anxiety, all of these things. This stuff is unnatural. It well, we is have, very unnatural. I guess that leads to one of the reasons why we have the most anxious children of all times right now. Yeah. And I, yeah. sad though, I don't think you take the kid to the pediatrician and they're probably not asking these questions. They guarantee they're not asking. So number two, devices. She said, we're better at setting boundaries for our children on their devices than we are for ourselves, but our eyes and mounts, minds can bounce and grow weary just like theirs. And then she basically talks about a digital shutdown, like Chris was talking about, having a time of the day where all of the electronics go off for the whole family so that you can give yourself chances to just calm down. You know what I wish too? I've seen other families do this that are uber into this kind of stuff that have dimmers all over their house. And at the certain time of the day, they yes. lower the lights and kind of set the environment for yes. calming down. If you if you want to get super nerdy, it's kind of creepy. But the best light that will not react with your body is actually red light. And Which so, is kind of creepy. Yeah, it is. It is a little creepy. But if you were like, oh, yeah, I definitely want like my family to be as healthy as humanly possible based on like the receptors in their eyes and all that stuff, then red light, like dimming red light is the best. And also something you can do that we have is we have blue light black uh, blue light blocker glasses. So we actually wear blue light blocker glasses. And you think it's nerdy, but like it actually really freaking works. So closer to bedtime we'll put on blue light blockers if we have a night where we're like oh i'm exhausted let's actually just chill and watch netflix because we don't watch tv before bed but maybe like on we cancel netflix mid yeah may, maybe like midweek we'll be like oh yeah yeah let's let's watch like some Wednesdays tv are like are yeah. like are we sure we can make it all the way through the week without a chill night yes because we've gotten two podcasts in and worked a ton and all that stuff three by podcasts. then yeah so yeah three you're right so basically I think uh, I think it's important to try to figure something out like that for us parents, which would be you know order order the blue light glasses, do something, and we may even get our kids some at at some point because it really does work. Yeah. So I do want dimmers though, for real. And, and actually, that's something. So it's funny. I was talking to a mom recently about sleep. She was asking me, you know, if I had any tips because. It's funny because we have a bunch of kids. People are always like, you got to be the expert here. I'm like, certainly no expert, but I have had trial and error now with each kid. And with each one, we've gotten better with figuring out sleep because with our first two, and maybe we've talked about this before, but with our first two, we really didn't know all this stuff about the TV. And we would, Chris and I would sit in front of the TV before bedtime with them and then expect them to fall asleep while the TV was on and they would not fall asleep. And then it would be like hours of fighting them to try to go to sleep after that. And for those of you who are like, oh, it's okay. My kid always falls asleep in front of the TV. You have to understand it still doesn't. It still affects their night. Of yeah, sleep. exactly. They will still, they will still either wake up and let you know they're up or they will wake up and their sleep will be broken up. Uh, so because just, I used to have just that, keep that in mind. I used to have that argument with Chris. I'm like, if I can fall asleep in front of the TV in no time. Like that's actually what usually puts me to sleep. But yes, but I, 
I literally have the evidence from having a sleep tracker, which if if you guys want to get nerdy like me, I have an aura ring. Um, it, it is it, it's like a super expensive sleep tracker, but it is awesome. It'll literally tell you like when you were up, when when you were asleep, your sleep patterns and all that, and you can tell a huge difference when one you have alcohol and two you're in front of a screen. Yeah, close so don't to give your kid any shots. Before <clears throat> don't bed. give your kids any shots. Yes. <laughs> um. No, but I was, oh, what was I saying about that, though? What was I saying? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I was saying that. So with our first two, we did that. And then when we got pregnant with our fourth specifically, we were like, well, no, we knew before then that we shouldn't do the TV. But for probably six months, we were trying to figure out a bedtime routine to get our kids to sleep better because our second child literally did not sleep through the night until she was three years old. And so in that consistent bedtime routine, when we were really strict on it, we did. We would have lights real low. We would read for the last 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. We would sometimes we would turn on like really quiet music, which Mm -hmm. actually is still stimulating. But uh, like, what did we play? Like classical music or something. Remember when we were really trying to figure out how we were. We were playing sleep tones for them. Sleep tones. Yeah. Sound machine, whatever. So my whole point in saying that is that we did it the way of screens and not having a shutdown and then we did it this way and now can confidently say knock on wood most nights yeah our kids go to bed easily pretty easily and they're sleeping through the night and they're getting the full sleep because for a while too they were waking up stupid early because we weren't putting those things in place yes yes okay number three quiet time with the lord uh she said just as our children need a break from the constant stimuli so they can learn to rest in the quiet of their rooms for a little while each day. So do we need that quiet space. Um, again, she talks about when we're overstimulated and agitated on the inside, we can be the most terrible of all because we can't cope with our kids in the loving ways. And so, again, we talk about it all the time. For us, our quiet times in the morning, we get up before the kids, even when it's miserably hard. Like I did right not now. want to get up today. I definitely rely on Chris to keep me accountable because I would have stayed in bed today. Um, But that's our quiet time. We carve it out. It's important to us. We get up in the mornings before the kids. Uh, We spend time in the word. And that's that's it for us. So making sure that you're finding that time that you can grow in your faith and, and equip yourselves to face the day. That's why I think the morning's the best. But some people might like to do it like right before bed or Maybe your lunch break. I don't know. Yeah, Part, making that time. Yeah, set. and then and then ju- just as a couple, I would say the the most important thing for us on a daily basis is to remember, like we have to we we have to come before God and we have to pray about our day and mm-hmm. we have to we put have on to the armor. yeah man put on the armor and actually get uh, get ready for whatever could come so we can practically sit here and you know. Pl- uh, build a plan around like what we're going to do for the day. Uh, but it's always important for us to go to God together and be like, Hey, like help us out today. This is, this is likely to be a, a pretty crazy day just based on how, how the kids are already reacting. Some, some, sometimes we'll just try to get away in like another room super quick before I leave or whatever. And, uh, and just and just lift the day up to God, and I think that's uh, I think that's something that has really helped us. It has challenged us, obviously, but it has has really helped us. So, so yeah, guys, there's a lot of practical tips here. Um, 
everything does kind of come back to how do we quiet our soul? How do we, how do we really, uh, how do we really prepare ourselves for the chaos? Um, and it is easy to overstimulate ourselves and actually rely on those things as a means of, uh, as a means of coping, coping, right? Yeah. But we're actually exacerbating the problem, making it worse. And I'll even go back to what, what you said, John. It's like you could be scrolling your newsfeed uh, and think like, oh, I'm just mindlessly doing this. But then when your kid interrupts or whatever, and you just read some terrible story about like the death of a baby or something like that, just because our news feeds are just filled with crap or something that you don't agree with politically or you're getting angry about something, then we reflect that same behavior in our house and to our kids. And so I personally try to stay away from my news feed. I've literally, it changed, it has changed my life um, from an overstimulation perspective, deleting all social apps from my phone. Uh, whenever I get on, you're I have to weird. intentionally get on the computer or something like that uh, because I mean, if we're close enough, you have my cell phone number. So <laughs> that's pretty much that's pretty much it. True. All right. Well, moral of the story is try not to overstimulate yourself and your kids. Find balance in what you're doing. And if you are hearing this and you're like, oh, my gosh, I did not realize that I was doing that to my kid's brain. Like, I didn't know that they shouldn't have this much screen time or this much toys. Don't want you to feel shame or guilt around that because you don't know till you know and i feel like my motto is no better do better because there's stuff that i'm like shoot i didn't do that with our first kid but now i know better so i'm doing it with this one but i feel guilty but yes don't let pride get in the way don't let pride and don't let the mom guilt or dad guilt get in the way and stop you from making decisions if you heard something we said and you're like oh maybe i need to change that or maybe i'm i'm I hope I'm not messing up my kid and stressing them out because I'm allowing this. Um, just, yeah, just don't let pride get in the way and just don't don't feel, don't let the enemy trick you into feeling guilt and shame surrounding that like you can't yeah. make a better decision now. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, and Chris. it's probably not going to be an easy transition, by the way, because it's, it's kind of like taking, uh, it's kind of like taking, you know, like, dessert away from kids right your brain craves it they freak out they they don't know how to react so if it's been a routine that your child has had that they are highly overstimulated it's not going to be like you take it away and they're like oh yeah thanks mom like no <laughs> they they have to adapt but to it and they that, are, that's a separate episode but. they are super adaptable though we've seen it so many times where yeah. we've adjusted their routine and might be a day or two where they're a pain in the butt but they do adapt pretty easily and i bet you mm-hmm. once they feel better once their brains feel more um rest i bet you they'll actually be grateful for the change of pace and yes. actually if you want to pick up the book again we always have the link to pit to buy triggers in our show notes um there's a chapter called gaming addiction mm-hmm. and she gives some steps on how she changed the the boundaries surrounding gaming in their house and how mm-hmm. she approached it with her kids to lessen the blow and the importance of it and stuff and i think that that could go for any kind of screen addiction not just video games yep i can't wait till ledger starts playing video games so i can play them again perfect excuse it's quality time quality time <laughs> You're stupid. okay 
Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage book club series. If this message resonated with you, um, go ahead and share it. And don't forget, you can text us now. You can text us any questions you have regarding the book or text us book ideas for the uh, following book club series. I feel like I just said book 16 times. Um, text us at 513-620-4333. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. 